Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 240. Remember when we were just a wee podcast? Well, we're still little. <laughs> wee podcast. We were like, oh my God, episode 100. Which was a huge deal. Yeah. Now we're 140 over that. That's wild. We've said it and I'll say it again. I cannot believe we stuck with something so long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, it's because of people like Patreon. I'm <laughs> just joking. I'm not going to steal it just yet. But seriously, it's the community. If it was just you, I would have quit. You hadn't quit me in 25 fucking years. <laughs> you ain't quitting quit me you. yet. Okay, ma'am. You ain't ever leaving me because I will find you. <laughs> really, it's the other way around. <laughs> well, you know who else can't quit us? Well, hopefully they love us that much. I was going to say, fingers crossed. Patreoners! So, thank you so much, Aaron R. from Virginia. Kayla W. from, hey, we need your address. Kelsey B. from California. Christina W. from Georgia. Megan P. from Montana. And Brenna A. from Arizona. Thank y'all so much for joining the Patreon and getting all that extra bonus content. And if you want an episode shout out and the bonus good good, especially the Halloween shit, go on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. You sounded like when I'm bending over trying to get like a chip <laughs> that fell. That's okay, a- <laughs> not a shirt, not a pair of undies. Let's just be a honest. Chip. I would have used my foot for the shirt and stuff, but I can't be using my feet for a chip. I mean, I'm going to be honest, Donna, and I just ate some chips, and uh, I dropped one off the ground, and I picked it up and ate it. She surely did. Mm-mm. Donna may have gagged, but I mean, the chip was good. <laughs> I'm weird about floors. I do My feet don't touch them normally. I have a shoe on. She was going to say, what, you just hover like a ghost? <laughs> I mean, I wish I could, but no, I am not a barefoot person, but also Marley tracks in some weird ass shit, so I can't, mm -mm. Growing up, I had this friend that her family wouldn't wear shoes in the house, and like, I know a lot of people do that, but I just forget, like, I just, I, I couldn't do that, and then they say, like, etiquette, you should have slippers for people who come over, and I'm just not gonna do that, so wear your fucking shoes if you want to. Well, also... I'm not re-wearing some slippers that someone else slipped on. You know what I mean? Well, you wouldn't. That would be the point. Like, you have to have new ones for them. Yeah, I can't afford that. I can't afford my own fucking slippers. Slippers are expensive. Yeah, they are. I thought you said flippers, but... I might have. I don't know. (laughs) Words have been hard this week, so... (laughs) This week, come on. But, like, especially this week. Well, I was alerted today by Carrie that people have some issues with Taylor Swift. Yeah, okay, so um, perusing TikTok, as you do, I see this girl who's, like, replying to somebody's comment, basically being like, so we should support your bodies or some shit like that because she was plus size. And I was like, wait, what? And so I go back to her original video, and I'm like, who the fuck is she talking about? So then I figure out, through a dive that apparently one of Taylor Swift's new songs. I think it was Antihero. So she opens up about her eating disorder, which I'm like, go Taylor, Mm -hmm. because it's hard. It's hard out there. And I'm so proud of her for opening up about her struggles and being real. But there's a scene in the video where she steps on a scale and the scale like, you know, does its loop-de-loo. And the number it stops on, you don't see a number, you see the word fat. So people are like, so what you're saying is that your biggest fear is to be fat. Your biggest fear is to be plus size. Your biggest fear is to look like me. And it's like, no, Taylor, like you, you are so supportive of everyone. And then like, what the fuck? No, you missed the mark big time. And like, I'm just so surprised. Like, I'm like, who vetted that? Like, who was like, yeah, the scale should say fat. Yeah, I know. I think it's just hard because some people just don't think about that. People don't, like, literally, I had a patient the other day come, and they had been before, like, a year ago. And when they came back, I was just like, hey, how's it going? How's work? How's your family? You know, just chatting. And he was like, you look much bigger than the last time. And I was like, well, I am, so thanks. (laughs) Oh my god. I mean, like, I wanted to be like, do you want my list of trauma that I've been through? Plus, my antidepressant makes me gain weight. So, fuck off is what I want to say. But you can't because you have to be professional. So, I'm like, well, I am. So, people just think that it's okay to comment on other people's bodies and all of that. And it's like, it's just not okay. Like, it's not okay to make someone feel lesser than because of their appearance. And that's what she did. She made 
everyone who's fat, and I feel like the plus size community really has like kind of tried to take the word fat back Mm -hmm. to where it's like not negative, but like in that instance, it was used in a negative connotation. Yeah. It's like the word queer. It's like when you're using it negatively, yeah, it's a bad word. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, just from, you know, what I read, which is nothing, but that the community, you know, the LGBTQ community is really trying to take that word back. And it's like, fat doesn't equal ugly. Fat doesn't equal unlovable. Fat doesn't equal less than. Fat just equals fat. Yeah. And like, I really hate when you say something about your weight and somebody's like, you're so beautiful. And I'm like, I never said that. I just said I'm fat. Yeah. So just know, no matter what the video says, no matter what trauma you have from what your parents telling you, what all the cliche things, magazines and the TV and all of that, you're perfect the way you are. And fat doesn't equal unhealthy. Skinny doesn't equal healthy. Mm -hmm. Skinny doesn't equal happy. And fat doesn't equal unhappy. Yeah. It's just one aspect of you. And fuck off to all the rest. (laughs) That's my soapbox and I'm still standing on it. (laughs) But I'm getting tired because of that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, on that same notion, I was watching Love is Blind. I love that show. It's drama. I love it. But this is a new season. So you're introduced to new characters. And, well, I say characters, but they're people. But, like... They playing characters, too. They're playing, like, super exaggerated versions of themselves, I feel like. Yeah. If you don't know, it's love is blind. So these people go into pods, and they talk to people. They don't see each other. But it's over, like, two weeks. They get engaged, or they don't. That seems like no time at all. Two weeks. And I realize that you're literally literally in a bubble, and there's no outside anything. And so all you're doing is talking to each other. So you really do get to know each other well. But, like, that's like a blip of time. It has worked for some couples. Like, th- some of their couples are still together. Well, and you have people that are like, yeah, we were we were together a week and we got married and we've been married for 60 years. It, yeah, you know? yeah. I feel like I would do fine on that because I like to talk. Yeah, I wouldn't. You would be like this girl that I'm about to talk about. Not to her extent, but so she's a ballet dancer. Okay, and you know that because, and again, these people who edit are like chef's kiss, like Bravo level. Uh huh. But she's like, you know, I want to be defined as more and all the things, but every time, and you know, you have to say what you do and all the things, but, and so that's like what you say. Oh, so what do you do? Right. She's like, I'm a ballet dancer. And so all the guys are like, ooh, you know. Gross. Because she's like, extra limber, you know, that Gross. kind of thing. Gross. Of course she said that. Yes. And so, She just goes on about, you know, like, she's ready for love. She's ready for marriage, all of this stuff. And no one takes her serious. And I'm like, you're really not serving yourself up on the serious platter, okay? Right. And bless her heart, like, two guys have already kind of been like, well, we had that kind of connection. But then, like, I met someone else and we went deeper. And Mm -hmm. so I don't want to waste your time. Like, I'm moving on to, like, focus on this person. Because, again, they only have two weeks. So they can't just be like, I got five people and I'm going to split my time with these people, you know. But the second guy, he's a douche canoe. But this guy, this guy who is, he would be a Bravo celebrity. Like, you know, just like party, like whatever. And he told her, if we want to get married, we need to go deeper. Like, we're cool. We jive. Like, we can flirt. But, like, we need to get deeper. And she's over there like just like chirp, 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 chirp. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I'm not shallow, but I don't want to do that. (laughs) And I'm her? Well, no, that's how I say, like, not to her level, but like, until you have like a connection, you don't care. That's so true. Like, I know you. So you're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then if you like that person, like, it's just like a thing. And then you're like, obsessed. I said, (gasps) which she just said, because she's like, I'm so ready for marriage and no one takes me serious. And then she's like, yeah, I don't like want to get deep. That's like not what I do. He said, I don't want like a shallow marriage. Poor girl. Well, those people may be in love with themselves, but I'm in love with Blissy. Is it blissful? It will give you a blissful night's sleep. Damn, we are such good writers. Yeah. But seriously, it really will. What is Blissey? Tell them, Carrie. Blissey is an award-winning 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. Do you feel how luxurious that sounds when she's saying it? That's what it feels like, y'all. So 
soft, right? So this is why you're supposed to use a silk pillowcase. It helps your hair and your skin, reduces frizz, tangles, prevents breakage, and it keeps the moisture in your hair and keeps your skincare products and natural moisture on your skin. You know, unlike cotton or the cheap sheets that I get. (laughs) Y'all, seriously, I've never had anything as fancy as this, but y'all know I have like five sprigs of hair. I do not need to ruin them and I'm a Tossin and a Turner. I don't think that's how you say that, but that's what I do. And goodbye. Bye-bye, Frizz. Well, and you know, like me, I don't wash my hair every day. So using this pillowcase helps with the Frizz. So I don't wake up looking like Medusa. <laughs> but this is one thing I was like, ooh, I don't know about using a silk pillowcase because I was so afraid that it was going to be hot. But here's the thing. Blissey's pillowcases regulate your temperature, keeping you cool at night. Basically, both sides of the pillow is the cold side. Which is like heaven on earth. Seriously, y'all know I run hot when I sleep. I don't know if y'all knew that, but that's what I'm telling you right now. And it's so good. So good. Well, and the pillow works for everyone. That case, because one, I'm a stomach sleeper. We all know this. And Carrie sleeps on her back because she's got her CPAP. Does great for her hair. Does great for my hair. And you know what? It's the holiday season just around the corner. And what the heck do you get that person that literally has everything? A luxury pillowcase. When it got shipped to me, I felt very special. Like it's already in gift packaging and like good gift packaging. Right. That box was like, I could stand on that heavy duty box. I was like, God dang. So they could just like open it up like they're ah, a package. Yes. That's what I say when Colby walks up. Oh, Lord. You keep that package, I got my blissy, okay? Uh, I got both. (laughs) But also, there's a sleep fragrance that comes with it that you can spray on your pillow. Yes. Oh, my God. Heavenly. Again, it's all so luxurious. Like, I feel like I'm in, like, a spa. Right? Like, you're at, like, a really expensive hotel that's, like, and it, oop, on your pillow for you. Well, that's... Something else Kobe does. <laughs> but here's the thing, too, is that they have all different sizes of pillowcases and different prints and colors, so it makes great gifts for literally anyone. I want y'all to guess what color I got, what color Carrie has. I mean, it's going to be so hard for y'all to decide. I got white. I got pink. <laughs> so, to try risk-free for 60 nights, go to blissy.com slash creep and get an additional 30% off. And again, you know we love a risk-free thing. 60 nights. 30%. I love that. So again, go to Blissy. That's B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash creep. And use promo code creep to get an additional 30% off. Okay, you know every Halloween, there's so many different costumes to pick from. There's always someone who's going to be like a mad doctor or someone like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a mad doctor, but it's over student loans. But this is like mad scientist kind of thing. Because if y'all didn't know, Carrie is a doctor. <laughs> but the person I'm talking about, he is often known as the mad doctor McDowell. And his name is Joseph Nash McDowell. He was born in 1805 in Kentucky. His family, they were medically inclined. So his uncle removed a tumor from one of his patients. And the big deal is he did not put her under any, like, anesthesia. Is that how you say that? Yes. Oh, my God. Why? Right. Okay. I mean, it's like 1805. So, I mean, it's not like they have the stuff that they do today. But still, no numbing, no anything, no whatever. And I don't know the particular of this, but... People were like, he's going to kill her. And he was like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. But people were like standing outside his practice, which was like his house. And is like, if she dies, you do too. That kind of thing. And so he makes his incision, like a nine inch incision. Oh my God. And when he opens her up, it was too big to be removed by scalpels. Again, you know, he had to be like, oh, fuck. Because they're like, you kill her, we kill you. Say hello to my little friend. 
but he drains it, gets it down to 22 pounds. Jesus. Yeah. And he got it out of her. And also when it said that it got it down to 22 pounds, I'm like, well, my mom did have that 39 pound tumor. I thought that I was like, oh, smaller than your mom's. (laughs) Don't be a patty, y'all. Go to the doctor. But anyway, so this lady, she was hanging on death's door for like five days. That lady lived for like 30 more years. Sheesh. Yeah. So obviously he was like the talk of the town. And Joseph was enamored by his uncle. And so he trained under him. However, their relationship was kind of ruined when Joseph wanted to get with his uncle's daughter. Oh, what? Mm -hmm, His cousin. But here's the thing. I don't think his cousin wanted to get with him. But Joseph wasn't taking no for an answer, you know. So he was like, hey, unk. I like your daughter. Basically tell her to be with me. She has to. And the uncle was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Because he was kind of progressive anyway. So he's like, not forcing her to do anything. So Joseph was pretty much like, fuck this, fuck you. Your daughter's cool, but I'm out. And he went to school. And guess where he went to study at? Harvard. No, Transylvania University. Which is it? Yeah, it's in Kentucky though. I'm like, I thought, ooh, spooky. Okay. Like, right. Now we're getting somewhere. Like, he's going to be a mad doctor. Yeah. Like, he's, no. No, no, no. It's in Kentucky. Well, there, Joseph got enamored with someone else, kind of like his uncle. His sister. <laughs> it's this man named Dr. Daniel Drake, which also sounds like a soap opera kind of guy. Because of Drake Ramore from Friends. Oh, that's probably why. <laughs> Uh, Okay. And this Daniel Drake guy, I think he brought out all the bad sides of Joseph even more because Joseph was petty as fuck and would hold a grudge like no one else. So he was you. Exactly. But like worse, like times 10. But this Daniel guy, so he founded this college. Like he was one of the founders. He was kind of like a shit person, I guess. And so they basically kicked him out. So he's like, have no fear. Me and my protege over here, we're going to get y'all back. So Daniel Drake and Joseph, they would go everywhere. But they'd be like, you know that fucking school over there? Fucking terrible. Don't send your kids there. They do all this heinous shit. Just bad at them. However, Dr. Daniel Drake, he went back to that college because they were like, all right, I guess we need to let him back in. And he went back and taught there, but whatevs. Of course he did. He got what he wanted. Mm-hmm. But unlike Joseph and his uncle, he and Daniel's sister got together and they got married, had a kid. He named the boy Drake after Daniel. Wait, tell me who got together again? Sorry, Joseph and Daniel Drake's sister. Um, he needs to find his own person and quit trying to get all these other people's people. Well, fast forward to 1839, they moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and this is where he taught at Kemper College. And let me just say here, medical schools, doctors, obviously they're not the same as they are today, but like you didn't have to go years to college. It was like six to eight months of school. Damn. Some people never even treated an actual patient before graduating and becoming a doctor. Yeah, I did know that like back in the day, there weren't medical schools. It was a lot of on-the-job training, like you said, people in the community that were already doctors, like there wasn't the same level of training. Well, there wasn't even a medical license. So the people who were already doctors, like his uncle and stuff, they didn't have a license. No, they just did what they did, Mm -hmm. which is why they were able to do surgery on someone with no anesthesia. (laughs) Yes. Well, okay. So more about Joseph. He was one of a kind, like very eccentric, He put the mad in mad doctor. If you picture like a mad scientist or whatever, like think 1800s mad doctor, you got him. Like he's got the like white hair that's like. Einstein. But also he was known to have a temper. I mean, hello, he's like raving about this fucking college that kicked out his friend. Again, we know he's petty as fuck. Okay, he was very rude, very just strict, stern, all the things, but he was knowledgeable as fuck. They always are. Mm Mm-hmm. So think like House, that TV show. Mm -hmm. That was basically him. Like rude as fuck. You're like, oh my God, I hate you, but I need your help because you'll know this. And so that like his students feared him, but loved him at the same time. 
So that Kemper College, it didn't do so well. It went bankrupt. But Joseph was like, it's all right. I got you. I'll build my own college. And so he did. He built a building. It was really modern for 1848. I think he sank like 150000 of his own money. So it had an octagonal tower. Oh. <laughs> it had two separate wings. And in that tower, there were some like niches in the wall. It was built for the purpose of housing his family when they passed. But no one ever used those niches. The building had a dissecting room, a chemical room, lecture hall, of course, a lab, and a dispensary, which is where they would treat the less fortunate. Also, it had a museum. Joseph prided himself over this fucking museum. It had different antiquities, curiosities, different animal specimens, and he would charge like 25 cents for you to come see his museum. Another thing about Joseph, he loved his guns and shit. He put six cannons around the tower so they could have protection at the school. Then he also had a very large cache of muskets, whatever, ammunition, all the things. Tell me why this guy sounds like he's literally building a castle. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. why do you need all of this armor? Armory? Right. Whatever the fuck that is. Well, and that, I'm so glad you said armor because <laughs> Joseph would rave about his political views that I'm about to tell you on the street. Like, think about like those preachers or like the people who are like, the end is nigh, the end is nigh or whatever. Mm hmm. That was him about political shit, but he would wear like body armor, like a breastplate. Jesus Christ. Because he was scared that his enemies would try to kill him. Yeah, because he probably had extremist views. Mm hmm. So his political views were ick. I mean, are we in 2022? <laughs> he believed in the rights of the Southern states, and he was like, um, they could own slaves if they want to. Gross. Mm hmm. And he was very vocal about his disdain for immigrants, people of color, and Catholics. Why do so many people in history, like, hate Catholics? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, why do people hate, like, period groups of people? You're lumping them into a group and you have no idea who any of these people are. But again, he was a brilliant doctor, so everyone kind of ignored his erratic, egotistical, terrible behavior. So as much as Joseph was known for his rudeness and his political views, he was also known for his philanthropic side. Because like I said, he had that free clinic and people were very grateful for that. Well, yeah, he's got to balance out his Scroogeness somehow. <laughs> right? Well, but here's the thing. So yes, he's doing it for the less fortunate. However, his students are learning uh -huh. on them. So it's like, yes, it's very good because these people would not be able to get the care that they're getting, but also it could have been bad care because these students are just freaking learning. And probably have no guidance. His students were like, oh my God, like everyone wanted to be with him because they would get hands-on experience because like I said, some people never even saw anyone before they were a doctor. Also, think about just like at the time, I mean, even how they did with his uncle, which I mean, granted his uncle was like kind of being shady by not having any anesthesia, but like Think about back in the day, people would just be like, you killed my aunt or you killed my wife because you gave them the wrong medicine or they had an incurable illness and the doctor couldn't fix mm -hmm. it. And they're like, you killed them. You're dead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or if they do heal them, it's like witchcraft. <laughs> yes. They're like, I'm just a midwife. I just helped your wife give birth. <laughs> What I've talked about so far, it's like, yeah, he's like a shit human, but Mad Doctor, I don't know. But this is why they called him like the Mad Doctor McDowell. Cadavers, kind of a shortage of them. So he started digging up graves. Because back in the day, if a criminal was to be hanged, you could claim his body before it was buried. And you could use it for dissection. Apparently, shortage of the hangage. So he's like, all right. We are going to do this thing called resurrectionist activities. Oh, God. And he would get his students involved in this because he can't dig up all the graves by himself. And so they would go out in the dark of night and dig up graves. But they would go to a lower class cemetery because, like, the fences weren't as high. Like, you know, 
and no one's really going to bat an eye that these graves are dug up. It's just like, even in death, the disenfranchised and stuff is Mm -hmm. targeted. Yep. I'm like, what the hell? These people can't even fucking rest. Ugh. Anyway. So it's well known that Joseph was a grave robber. And then rumors started to spread that they were kidnapping people to kill them and use their bodies so they didn't have to dig them up anymore. It seemed like the people in the city were angry, but those in power really didn't care. So nothing was done about it. But maybe he did need those cannons that he put on the tower after all, because there's an angry mob of over 300 people who came, but Joseph wasn't anywhere near that he could get those cannons off, like to fire. But have no fear, because this freaking guy had a bear in the college's basement. Like a rawr bear. Yes. Like an actual, like, black bear. Yes. And, well, I don't know if it was black, but yes. And he released the bear into the mob. So they quickly ran away because, hello. And the bear returned to the basement. The bear's name is Cinnamon and was unharmed, lived there for a while until it died of natural causes. But then the doctor did the taxidermy stuff on that bear. But, like, he had a bear. Who has a bear? I don't know. Like, it's just so odd. And also, of course the bear died. Did he get any sunlight? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess when there's an angry mob. I have so many questions about this bear. So, all that suspicion came to a head when there was a local young German girl, and she died while Joseph was treating her in her house. And he's like, oh, that was a weird disease. Not sure what happened there. Sorry about you. And he leaves, okay? But later, he tick, 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 snuck back inside the home and took the body. Oh, my God. Because he was going to use her as a cadaver, but also, like, hey, this is a weird disease. We need to learn from this. Well, when her body's missing, no one bats an eye before they blame Joseph. It's well known his hatred of immigrants. And they were like, he probably didn't even really try to help her so he could have her body. So over 400 people from that girl's neighborhood decided they were going to storm the college and find her body. However, someone slipped Joseph a note that warned him what was being planned. So he was like, and I skirt, stopped what he was doing and went retrieved the girl's body, like basically slung her over his shoulder and was making his way to hide her in the attic. But that's when he had an experience that shook him to his core. He said that he saw the ghost of his mother there and he was like, uh, what? Like, I got to get to this attic. What's going on? But she basically guided him to the body storage room instead. And so Joseph's like, oh my God, what do I do? These people are going to come in. So he put the girl under a sheet. Because there's like multiple cadavers in there. Mm -hmm. So he hit on that table too. And when he was like freaking out, like, oh my God, they're so close. They're getting closer because he could hear him. He heard his mom whisper like, calm down, be calm. You know, all the things. It's like his mother's ghost saved his life. Because some of the people did come into the room, started lifting sheets off the bodies. But not all of them because it's still a weird thing for people. Like it's kind of... I don't know. Someone even remarked how one of the bodies looked fresh because it still had its boots on. Now, no one else had their boots on. So I feel like that would be a little tip off, but apparently it wasn't because that body was Joseph. Right. Uh, And so he narrowly escaped thanks to his mom's ghost. So that night, Joseph was like, that's it. I am now a spiritualist. Like there is an afterlife. And he just was like, I can't explain how... I saw my mom, but she helped me. He knew what he saw and he believed it. So again, he has that obsessive behavior, you know? So he became obsessed with finding out more about the afterlife. He wanted to figure out how to preserve bodies so if people came back to life, you know, they'd be in good shape, basically. Also, he believed if you buried them in the best way possible, so, you know, you could keep their body more intact, all the things, you would be able to communicate with them after they passed. Where did he get all these ideas? Like, oh, you see one ghost and all of a sudden you're like, okay, so this is what we got to do. We got to keep them fresh. We got to bury them fancy. Like, where all this came from? (laughs) He was like you doing a deep dive on Taylor Swift, doing that on spiritualism. So he had ADHD and was hyper-focused. Cool. Yes. So he formulated a plan that he wanted for all of his family members' burial. 
Anyone who died would be placed in a large copper cylinder, basically like a tube. They'd fill that up with alcohol and he wanted to place those cylinders in those niches, but it wouldn't work. So he was like, you know what? I remember this cave I went to and I think it would work because we could suspend it in that cave and that'd be like perfect. So he went and bought this cave. It was in Hannibal, Missouri. Wait a tick. Is this kind of how Hannibal's story came around? No. <laughs> I mean, I know he's not eating things, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no. But you know, he's doing stuff with dead bodies, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, for sure. So he goes, buys this cave, and he's like, yes, we can store our death tubes here. Well, the first family member to undergo this burial was his 14-year-old daughter, Amanda. Oh, that had to have been hard. Right? So he did everything he planned. She died from pneumonia. He had her hanging in this cylinder in this cave. And he believed he could communicate with Amanda because of the setup. However, word got around that there was a body hanging up in a cave. Like a fucking bat in a cave. (laughs) Then there was like, oh my God, I bet she haunts the cave. All the things, you know. So then kids being kids, they started to use this as like a rite of passage, basically. Like go and touch, what do you say Nemo says? The butt? No, Nemo didn't say it. I think the seahorse did. Nemo touched the butt. Oh, yeah. Okay. So basically that. Go touch the dead girl's coffin. Then they didn't stop there. Teenagers. Like that was younger kids. This is teenagers. And they were like, okay, go in there and you could unscrew the cap and like look inside, okay? Then people were like, hey, if you get her by her hair and snatch her head off, you're everything. I double dog dare you. Well, I mean, they're like desecrating this corpse. Right. So Joseph was like, no, no, no. So he went and removed her body. But also I want to be like, Joseph, you dug up graves. But this was his kid. So Uh he had respect for her. Meanwhile... All the graves he dug up, no respect at all. No respect. But one of those kids was Samuel Clemens. I know you have no idea who that is, but it's Mark Twain. I knew that. Uh Uh-huh. And he actually wrote about that cave and the girl in the copper tube. And it was an inspiration for the grave robbing story in Tom Sawyer. Huh. So today that cave is known as Mark Twain's cave. And there's tours that are given there. And a lot of people claim they see a young girl wearing a dated white gown. They say she's always smiling and they believe it was Amanda. One of the tour guides, Tom Rickey, he said when he worked there in the 1990s, he came face to face with Amanda. He said he was in there. He got a cold chill. You know, like when someone walks over your grave, like quote unquote, I don't know if y'all know that saying, Mm -hmm. but you get that rando chill. Something in him just told him, Look behind him. So he did. And he was in what they called the McDowell's room. And there was a young girl wearing a long, old-fashioned dress with a cape. She was very pretty, long, dark hair. But he thought it was someone from the tour. He was like, oh, okay. You know, someone's here. He went to speak and she walked off. But he's like, rude. Well, he's like, that's good and all. But there's nowhere that she could walk off and vanish to. It's not like, oh, around the corner and... Oops, she disappeared around the corner. She would have had to walk into the walls of the cave. There's nowhere she could have went and she just disappeared. I feel like step number one, when you're in a haunted place and like, or something's following, like, don't turn around. And he's like, (laughs) what's behind me? I feel something behind me. I would do the same thing. So you remember Drake, his son... Well, he's a doctor, too. All these doctors. (laughs) Why did you go Blanche Devereaux? Because she would be obsessed. (laughs) Well, when the Civil War broke out, Joseph and his son, they were like, (laughs) we're not staying here. So they went and worked as surgeons and doctors for the Confederate Army. They also took two of the cannons from the school. And Joseph put a lot of his guns in in a box and labeled it like marble something. It was like 1,500 guns. What? When I I say he had a large fucking cache of guns, he had a large fucking cache. I mean, what in the like mob is going on here? (laughs) No. So him and his son just taking two cannons, a shit ton of guns and like, hey, we can help y'all medically because slavery is good apparently to them. Like what the fuck? But while they were away doing that, the school was abandoned. And so the union took control, turned it into a recruitment center. But that soon turned into a prison under someone else's charge. 
And I feel like it was kind of a fuck you to Joseph because he deserted Missouri and went to be in the Confederacy, basically. So when they were cleaning out the hospital and the school, they removed three full carts of bones, both animal and human. The people who had to do this, they were like, oh my God, this place has to be haunted. And so that really became the general consensus. You can imagine this prison was terrible. It was full of Confederate POWs, Union deserters, general criminals, and women who were charged with being sympathizers for the South. They described the prison as hell on earth. Obviously, it was not designed to be a prison. They didn't have a lot of food. They didn't have a lot of ventilation or space. But that didn't stop them from making more and more people prisoners. And so they were way overcrowded. Due to the poor conditions, a lot of people died from like starvation, disease, all the things. But those bodies would just be like left out on the floor until someone moved them. Gross. And while it was a prison, a lot of the prisoners said that they were like, "Uh uh-uh, we heard weird shit at night. There's no way anyone could have been at this level or whatever. These ungodly sounds were coming like something else is here. But again, everyone thought it was haunted, you know? So fast forward, the war's over. Joseph returns to the medical school and he saw it in its new condition and he was appalled, but he was determined to restore it and reopen it and he was able to do it, but it was never the same again. People said that he added something in the renovations though. He named one of the rooms hell because like one of the prisoners had like, you know, put like hell on earth or whatever. And in this room, labeled hell, he put a snake and an alligator and then also had an effigy of Abraham Lincoln hanging. Well, John passed away when he was 63 from pneumonia, which I thought was just like, whoa, because that's what his daughter passed away with so long ago. I don't know. It was just, I don't know. That was weird. Kind of full circle-ish. Yeah. The school was then again abandoned until it was demolished by the Terminal Railroad Association so they could build their new rail yard, and that was in 1882. But a lot of the workers there claimed that they could see apparitions in Confederate uniforms. But even though, like, I've talked about them right now, it started before the medical school was torn down. So it was abandoned, and everyone, again, had that, like, superstitious feeling with that. The neighbors, they would like do like the sign of the cross every time they even had to walk past it. They would hear screams coming from it. They'd hear like cries, just weird sounds. And they knew it was an abandoned building. And people said that they would see faces in the windows or it would look like someone was walking past the window. But they're like, yeah, no one's in there. No one dared go in there either, you know? So it was just so bizarre to them. This one man, Troy Taylor, he wrote a book called Haunted St. Louis, and he said that he interviewed this man who his great-great-grandfather, I believe, he was a German man. And again, remember, like a lot of them were anti-Joseph because Joseph was anti-them, but his great-great-grandfather as a boy would play inside that building, almost like a rite of passage for these people like, bet you can't stay in the abandoned building for long. Right. Well, so these boys were, you know, like, whatever, I'm going to do it. One of them said that he saw a ghost and he was like, I ain't going back. And they were like, coward. One day, it was just an afternoon, sunny, all the things. And they're like, let's go. Let, we ain't doing shit. Like, let's go. So they went in there and they said instantly when they were inside that building, even though it was sunshiny, it was doom and gloom in that building. Like it was fucking dark. They did as they wanted to do. And they were like, huh, this is weird, but let's go in further. And so they just kind of poked, prodded around and they started hearing a sound. And it was the blood curdling screams, some banging and yelling. And it seemed to be coming from that tower. The boys were like, and I'm out. His great, great grandfather had told him none of those boys ever entered that building again. But that is my story about Joseph McDowell. He was so odd and everything about him was just, I could see why they call him the mad doctor. Cause it wasn't only like he was a body snatcher, 
But he also was a menace to society. Yes. And even though this had some like spooky related stuff, like people like him, the extremists like that, that's the scary part. Yeah, for sure. And the fact that those people can also be the people you need. That's scary. And that you trust. I don't know. Anytime we do doctor stuff, it's scary. I know. (laughs) Why do we do these? (laughs) I don't know. Well, before we get into my story and talk about your body snatcher guy anymore, we got to talk about HelloFresh. HelloFresh. Y'all know we love HelloFresh. I have used HelloFresh long before they started being a sponsor of this podcast. What's so great is you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes because, you know, we're coming into the holidays and it's delivered right to your door. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to figure out, okay, what do I need for this? Oh, wait, what am I going to cook this night? You pick it all and it comes right to your door. And it's pre-portioned. That is huge because, again, me and Carrie will always say, we spend so much money on vegetables, we don't eat. Because by the time we have to use all of them, because, you know, they come in a big old bag of everything, and it goes to waste. There's no waste here. If you need two bell peppers, you know what you have? Two bell peppers. And even better, it's affordable. That's why it's the number one meal kit in America. Colby and Carrie, they've used it forever. They love cooking together. We all know I am not domesticated, okay? And I don't like to touch uncooked meat. And so I'm like, I don't know. There's a vegetarian option. And I'm like, oh, okay, this sounds really good. And oh my God, it's so good. And I felt very grown up. Well, and what's cool is that you can pick what you need. Like, do you need quick and easy? Do you need family friendly? How many people are in your family? So you can pick like two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Hello, fresh. <laughs> you have all these different things that you can choose from. And then every single week, it gives you, hey, these are the meals this week. Which ones do you want? It'll go ahead and pick them for you if you just want to be surprised. Or you can be like, uh, you know what? I don't want that. It's fall. Give me a little pumpkin spice. Well, you can have your pumpkin spice and eat it too. The meals I made, it sounds like something that I couldn't even order at a restaurant because I'm like, that's too fancy for me. And I freaking made it. Right. And it just works with your changing plans because you can change your delivery date. You can change, oh, you know what? Next week, we've got guests coming. Let's bump it up to four people. You know, that you can change it based on what you need. And again, the best part is that it comes directly to your door because I hate going to the grocery store. Hmm. Loathe going to the grocery store. Love HelloFresh coming to us. And most of the meals can be made in about 30 minutes. So if you want 65% off and free shipping, you got to go to HelloFresh.com slash Creep65 and use code Creep65 for that 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that is HelloFresh.com slash Creep65. And that's for 65% off plus free shipping. And we love free shipping almost as much as breadsticks. Like I said, I used HelloFresh even before they became a sponsor on this podcast. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Creep65 to get 65% off plus free shipping when you use promo code Creep65. He wasn't as mad as I thought he would be because I was thinking he was going to be like putting people together, Uh you know? Yeah. But I see why he was considered the mad scientist. Like I legit was picturing, he's alive! (laughs) Yes, me too. So my story this week is actually kind of a short one, but I felt like we would be remiss to not do a case of domestic violence considering that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So we're going to talk about Regina Elizabeth Redmond Lolo Brigido. Love that last name. I know. So Regina was described as kind, spirited, and a loving mother. So she grew up most of her life in Virginia, and she graduated from Parkview High School in 1995. Now, she got married in 2000, and she had her baby boy Jack in 2005, and she was in love with Jack. Now, Regina worked in quality control for like 17 years, but she decided that she wanted to further her education. She ended up getting her associate's degree in business at Northern Virginia Community College, and she ended up getting a business degree from Southern New Hampshire University. That is freaking awesome. I know, and I don't think I've ever like known somebody, I mean, not that I know Regina, but to go to Southern New Hampshire, because you always see those commercials of like people getting their diploma. Yeah. But I never known anybody to go there. Mm-mm. So after Regina got her business degrees, she had been doing some work at 
Jack's school as a substitute. She was really involved in the school and the community and all the things. And she just loved education. And she's like, you know what? Just got all these degrees, but she ain't done. She wants to go back and get her bachelor's in education because she wanted to teach. And she was very involved in the community and giving back. And she and her son, Jack, would run a lot of charity runs, like five and 10Ks. She was known to be like a nonconformist is how she was described, meaning like she was always rooting for the underdog and like would do whatever it took to support other people to kind of help give them a leg up. And I mean, she wasn't a Saints fan, but like, it's fine. She was a Baltimore Ravens fan. I mean, I guess every team has to have somebody that likes them. (laughs) I mean, you like them more than the Eagles, right? I guess. I'm not really a bird fan. The only bird I like is Southern Miss, the university (laughs) we went to. You know, like, I don't like the Ravens. I don't like the Falcons. I don't really like the Oh, I know you don't like the Falcons. I know. But the other thing that she's really known for is random acts of kindness. And this is what I mean by that. I mean, obviously, y'all know what random acts of kindness are, but this is an example. So Regina was a huge deadhead in that she loved Grateful Dead. And she and her brother, Eric, would follow the Dead & Co. show all around the place. They would go to, you know, well, different shows. But what she would do is she would buy extra tickets and then just give them out to strangers as, like, random acts of kindness, which I love. Yeah, I love that, too. I don't think of stuff like that. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. nice like that. Like, she's just, like, a kind person. Well, I was talking about never carrying cash. Mm -hmm. And so I feel bad if someone asks me for cash because I really don't have it. And I feel like I'm not lying. I I don't have cash, you know. But Cheyenne, she told me this is what she does. She keeps gift cards. So just like the Visa gift cards. And so she won't have cash, but it could be like even just like $10. Yeah. Or whatever. I was like, well, that's genius. Yes. So, Regina was married to Peter Lolo Brigido, and they had some problems in their marriage. And by that, I mean he was the problem. We know that there had been a couple of occasions where he was physically abusive to her, but I, honestly, I don't have any information on that. We know that those happened in August of 2019 and November of 2020. But again, I don't know specifically what happened on those dates. I just know that in court documents, she has said that there were instances on those two occasions. We do know that on July 20th, 2021, Regina was in her car and Peter was behind her in his vehicle chasing her. He like crossed double yellow lines, went into the median, like was driving really erratically to like get to her. So flash to the next day, July 21st, when Peter had Regina in her apartment and would not let her go. There were physical assaults that happened, but on the next day, the July 22nd, she was trying to get out. She was trying to flee the apartment when he slammed her head against the wall multiple times and told her she was never coming back. Oh my gosh. But here's the thing is that her son was there. (gasps) Jack? Yeah. Well, and you know, he's 16. So it's not like he's five, but still he's a 16 year old boy. Yeah. And he's seeing his mother being beaten. And he actually is the one that intervened and she was able to get away. Oh my gosh. But that was after Peter had strangled Regina and told her, you're going to sleep. (gasps) Oh my gosh. So this was a very serious attack on her, but he's clearly escalating from the first two occasions where he was abusive to her. Now, this time he's essentially held her captive and beaten her over two days in front of their son. She had visible discolorations on, so bruising on her forehead, left cheek, ear, neck, chest, both arms her elbows, forearms, wrist, knees, right thigh, and toes. Okay, that was basically head to toe. I mean, it literally, head to toe. Oh. So, an emergency protective order was granted to her on July 22nd after what happened. Peter was charged with multiple felonies. He got assault, strangulation, and abduction. They arrested him, and he spent only eight days in jail what they let him out on an unsecured bond of just five thousand dollars wow now here's the thing the community corrections like board 
they said, like, we do not recommend you let him out. Like, we do not recommend this. And basically, the Commonwealth's attorney's office was like, it's fine. He's going to have an ankle monitor. Mm-hmm. So he had an ankle monitor. He did. But there were no restrictions on where he was allowed to go. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, she had a protection order, but it wasn't like, okay, you can't go within five miles of her apartment or whatever. Like, there were no restrictions placed on him. Yeah. But she did have a restraining order. When he got out of jail, he was living about 13 miles away from Regina. Tell me how he was only in jail for eight days and they let him out. Right? Like, he didn't calm down. He just got more mad. Right. And so, you see an escalation. And this wasn't, I don't want to use the word just, because physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, uh, financial abuse, abuse period is never okay. Right. But this was not a, quote, domestic dispute where they got in a fight and things got heated. Still not okay. And I'm not trying to undermine that. But he held her hostage and beat her over days. Like she, like you said, head to toe black and blue. Like, there is no reason that he should have gotten out. Mm-mm. With no restrictions. So, yeah, they wouldn't be alerted. They'd have to actively look at his location. Right. So, there should have been an alert system with mm-hmm. this ankle monitoring. But like you said, no restrictions equals no alerting. Well, on September 19th, 2021, is when Peter escalated one final time. He took a ride share over to Regina's apartment where she was living with, I saw on one article with like an, another man. So I don't know if this was like a boyfriend because they're clearly separated. Like it's yeah. not like, you know, they're getting divorced. So I think that this was someone that she was seeing, but it was one article that I saw that in. So I'm not really sure. Which, again, though, I'm like, if she was living with this guy, where was he when all this went down for two days? So, yeah. I'm like, were they meaning, did did they get confused and think Jack was, like, another man? Because his name, he's, like, oh, older. Yeah. Name, you know what I mean? So, I don't know if they were thinking that. Uh, unsure. But just to give you as much information as I have found. Mm-hmm. And this case is so fresh that there are not a ton of details on everything because it's still so new. So... Peter took a ride share over to Regina's apartment and he said that he had been on the phone with Jack and that Jack had left the house. Next thing we know, Peter calls 911 and he tells the dispatcher that he had just killed his wife. And the dispatcher is like, are you sure like that she's not still alive? And his words were, don't see how she could be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Peter got a hammer from under Regina's sink, gave her a kiss, looked her dead in the eyes, said he loved her, and then beat her to death with the hammer. Oh my gosh. Then calmly called 911. Now that article said that somebody was living with her. It said that Peter said that if the man she was living with had been home, he would have killed him too. So, I I don't know. Yeah. When first responders arrived, Regina was still alive. They took her to the hospital. Her sister, who was, they were just 18 months apart. Oh, wow. She came in, I think, from North Carolina. And she said in an interview that when she got to that hospital room, that she could not even recognize that that was Regina. Oh, my gosh. Regina died a week later from her injuries. Bless her heart. I mean, this story is fucking heartbreaking on so many accounts. Of course, the violence that Regina had to live through with Peter on, we know of, four occasions. Yeah. I mean, that's what we know of. There's no telling how many times it took her to be able to report what had happened to her. Exactly. Which is common, and I am absolutely not victim-blaming with that, because we know the cycle of abuse, that, you know, the abuse happens, they're repentant, they say it'll never happen again, they're sorry, they love you, and then it's good for a little while, and then it happens again. And so, you know, it does often take victims of domestic violence many times over before it's being reported. So, one article I read in 
Fox 5. It had the policy director for Virginia Sex and Domestic Violence Action Alliance. His name is Jonathan Iglesias. And he was saying that with COVID, they've actually seen an increase in the number of intimate partner homicides. They quoted him saying, I think there's a lot of work that we need to do to make sure people are responding appropriately and that people aren't alone as COVID continues and we try to keep ourselves safe and our family and community safe. And they go on to say that intimate partner homicide isn't something unique, obviously, just in their county. And so, you know, it really is something that you don't realize. And, and, and it was talked about a little bit during COVID, but you know, you have people who were literally locked at home with their abusers in a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Jobs lost, money's tight, you're home 24 hours a day. You can't go anywhere with the person who abuses you. And you have kids and partners who can't get away. They, they're not getting to go to school. They're not getting to go to work. They're not getting to go to all these things where they have an escape. And then their abuser, like I said, it's a pressure cooker. Their tensions are just getting higher and higher and higher. And the things that, quote, get on their nerves, they can't get away from. Right. And even stuff I didn't think about that somebody said one time about kids whose families don't have resources for food. Sometimes their meal at school is their only meal for the day and they're not going to go to school to get that meal. And it's like, you know, you don't think about those things and how the ways in which our social needs weren't being met during COVID. Yeah. It's super important that we're aware of how it changed and I hate to say made worse, but impacted domestic violence. Yeah. Also, in that article, it said that half of all female homicide victims in the U.S. are killed by their intimate partners. And that came from the CDC. That is just heartbreaking. So here's the thing. So he was released on his own recognizance with the bond, right? Mm -hmm. And the judge did order that he was to have no contact and to wear a GPS monitor. But there was no monitoring of the GPS because he had no restrictions, right? The family ended up sending in a notice, basically like a letter to say like, hey, we intend to sue you for wrongful death. Yeah. And they basically said like, this technology is easy. Like we should know where he was at all times. And they should have been alerted that he was close to Regina. Mm -hmm. But conversely, you know, there was other things saying like, sometimes bail in these situations is appropriate when there's not a lot of like evidence to support in that moment but it's like that wasn't the case here yeah i was gonna say that's not the case i understand if that's the first time again things can get heated whatever but no 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 he held her captive that escalated a whole shit ton right And, you know, you have the recommendation of the people who are making these recommendations, like the people who this is their job to say, yeah, you probably shouldn't release him. Yeah, he's fine or she's fine or whomever is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could probably release them. It's just a pot charge or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, no, you shouldn't release him. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. This is their fault. Like this is, uh, well, let me back up. This is Peter's fault. Peter did the action. Yeah. However, Regina did everything right. Mm-hmm. Regina did everything she needed to do to stop him from assaulting her. And she didn't get the support that she should have gotten. Right. Again, remember, this is really, really fresh. So a grand jury did indict Peter on first degree murder, aggravated malicious wounding and violation of a protective order. And he is actually scheduled to go to trial on September 25th, 2023. Wow. But here's the thing. He confessed. So I'm not sure why they're going to trial. Right. All those details of what happened, we know because of him. Like, we know what he said because of him. We know he took the, you know, like, we know that story because of him. So I don't know what they're trying to, I hate to say accomplish, but like, what's the goal? Like, what's the mm-hmm. defense here? I don't know. But he is going to trial. Bless Jack's heart. Her poor family, like everything, like it just, it escalated. It seemed like it escalated so quickly because it was like 2019 was the first assault. And then it was like, boom, two years later, he's murdered her. To be honest, I never saw anything about how long they were married. I'm not even 100% sure if he's Jack's dad. I don't know. So again, that's why I say there's so many details of this that we don't know and we're not going to because they haven't had the trial yet. Yeah. So they can't. And and I don't normally do this early of a story, 
But he confessed, and the hammer was there. He was covered in blood. Like, this is a solved case. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what the point of the trial is. Like, I don't know what his defense is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This just, the fact that it had gone to court, she had the protective order, and he was released on a $5,000 bond, bail, whatever. I never can remember the difference. Yeah. Yay, true crime podcaster. But with a GPS monitor that wasn't being monitored, like it didn't alert, the system failed Regina. Yeah. But before we talk any more about these cases, we got to tell y'all about Function of Beauty. And what's Function of Beauty, you ask? Well, it is quite literally the world's first fully customizable hair care. And it creates individually filled shampoos, conditioners, styling, and treatment formulas based on your hair type. And y'all, Donna and I have both ordered our stuff and it has shipped and I am so excited to try it and tell y'all all about it. And it's super simple to get this customizable hair care. You just have to go on their website take a quiz, and it's about your hair. So it's really easy. And if you're a Leo like me, you know you love to answer questions about yourself. But what I liked the most about it was that it had pictures. So when it asked what type of hair, do you have straight, curly, whatever? When I said curly, it got specific, like what type of curls do you have? But you didn't have to think that hard because there was literal pictures of the curls. I was like, oh yeah, that's what I got right there. Yeah. So it made it on the carry level. But it gets down to the nitty gritty because it's going to get down to the nitty gritty in your hair and give you the best hair care possible. You're able to select up to five different hair goals. So like frizzy, oily, all the other things. Well, of course, you know mine, volume. I need it. They offered it and I was like, yes, yes, yes. But you get to design it all on your own. Color, you get to design. You know I had to go pink. Are you Shelby and your colors are blush and bashful? Pink and pink? They're not. I did two separate. One for shampoo, one for conditioner. Well, that's fucking smart. I just did two purples. <laughs> but also, if you're in the South like us, you know you love to put your name on everything. Mm-hmm. These aren't initials. It could be if you wanted. But you could put your name on this. So it's like function of beauty of. And so it's like, you know, this shampoo belongs to Donna. Do you know what my name says? If you said Freaky Deaky Donna. Okay, there's a character limit. I tried. Of course you did. <laughs> There was a character limit, but it says Little Donna. Okay, and you get to pick the fragrance. But if you are like me and you don't like fragrances, you don't have to pick a fragrance. And you can go dye-free too. If you don't want a color, don't pick a color. Literally, there are over 54 trillion possible formulations. I I can't even process that number. That's how whittled down this is to your specific needs. Also, every one of them is vegan and cruelty-free with no sulfates, no parabens, and you can also go completely silicone-free. And it's super important for me because you know I have skin that is so sensitive. You can really get back me all the things from your shampoo because, I mean, it's going to run off on your body. You don't think about that, but it's seriously so important if you have sensitive skin. So start giving your hair the personalized care it needs. Go to functionofbeauty.com creep to take your hair goals quiz and you'll save 20% on your first order when you subscribe. No commitments and you can cancel at any time. So go to functionofbeauty.com slash creep to let them know you heard about it from our show and you get 20% off your first order. One more time, that's functionofbeauty.com slash creep. Take your hair quiz and save 20% off your first order. And let us know what colors you picked. It just breaks my heart because Regina just seemed like she's good people. Like she's the Mm -hmm. people you want in this world. She was taken abruptly far too soon she didn't even get to finish her degree in in education like she had goals she had she was a productive member of society yeah and this motherfucking piece of shit came through and destroyed her and so many people's lives yeah also regina was reminding me of reba's song is there life out there Mm -hmm. then when she died i was like I don't know. It was just like, because that is my favorite song by Reba. Yeah. And so I was like, in my head when you're talking about it, and she had her kid. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, this is that music video. And then it's like, yeah, she had all of this that she had completely wanted these goals in her life. She had worked so hard for it and then just ripped away from her for no reason. And like you said, she did everything right. And even if you 
technically don't do everything right, you know, it doesn't matter. You're still not at fault. It just sucks because this is another example of where the system fails someone and they die. Well, I just want y'all to know that there is help out there and people are being held accountable for their actions and how they failed Regina. I never want this story to sway you from getting help because help is out there. You can go to www.thehotline.org. As soon as you go to the website, like I just did it, it pops up a security alert and it tells you that internet usage can be monitored and it's impossible to erase completely. If you're concerned that your internet usage might be monitored, it gives you a number to call them. And that number is 800-799-SAFE. And then when you're on the website of the National Domestic Violence Hotline, there is, no matter where you're scrolling, there is a red box with an X and it says exit. And if at any point someone walks up behind you that doesn't need to see what you're looking at, you click that X and it takes you right back to the main page of Google. Wow, that's amazing. So just know that there is help out there and there are shelters. There are people in place to help meet your needs. But please reach out for help because the hotline.org has more things than just call, text, chat. It has resources like identifying abuse, how to plan for safety. If you're not being abused, but you think that someone else is, there's a link of how to support others. So this is a great resource for anyone. So again, please be safe and reach out for help. Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. It means so much to us. And like Donna said before, when we were joking about, we're surprised we stuck with it this long. The community of people surrounding us and this podcast is absolutely amazing. So know that you have friends and a support system in everyone in this community. So thank y'all so much for making it a safe place for people. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared.